Welcome to episode 215 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, author of What, When, Wine, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine. And I'm here with my co-host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay, Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and jenstevens.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice or treatment. So, pour yourself a cup of black coffee, a mug of tea, or even a glass of wine, if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Hi friends, I'm about to tell you how to get three pounds of organic chicken thighs, two pounds of grass-fed, grass-finished ground beef, or one pound of premium grass-fed, grass-finished steak tips, all for free, plus $20 off. That's right, we're talking pounds of meat, for free, plus $20 off. Friends, I love meat and seafood. My favorite way to get it is ButcherBox. It has been for years, and it's one of those things where I just sort of become more and more obsessed the more I use it. Especially with all the greenwashing that's going on today with meat and seafood, there's a lack of transparency, it can be hard to know what you're actually getting, and it can be expensive. ButcherBox addresses all of that. By directly partnering with farmers and fishermen, ButcherBox cuts out the middleman of the grocery store and directly delivers delicious meat and seafood straight to your door. And they have the highest standards. Their salmon, for example, is wild caught. Their beef is 100% grass fed and 100% grass finished. Their chicken is free range and organic, and it all tastes delicious. I love their chicken, love their meat, love their seafood. They have amazing scallops as well. And you can really find the collection of food that you want that works for you and your family. They have curated boxes, so you can get exactly what you want as fresh as possible because yes, meat and seafood that is immediately frozen is fresher than meat that is waiting out and never frozen. That's because it's frozen at its peak of freshness. It's funny because people kind of think it would be the opposite. Like, oh, I need never frozen meat and seafood. No, 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 no. You want frozen. You want meat and seafood that was immediately frozen and then shipped to you, which is what ButcherBox does. I eat a lot of steak at restaurants. ButcherBox's fillets are divine. Way better than anything I would get at a restaurant. Their other cuts are amazing as well. With their seafood, I know I can trust them that I'm actually getting what they say. Because yes, there is a lot of scams in the seafood industry. And their chicken also tastes amazing. It's free range and organic and tastes delicious. With ButcherBox, you don't have to worry about what's for dinner. And ButcherBox has an incredible offer for our audience. You can have your choice of a weeknight meal essential for free in every order for a whole year. Just go to butcherbox.com slash ifpodcast and use ifpodcast to choose either three pounds of organic chicken thighs, two pounds of grass-fed, grass-finished ground beef, or one pound of grass-fed, grass-finished premium steak tips plus $20 off. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash ifpodcast and use code ifpodcast to choose your free offer and get that $20 off. Butcherbox.com slash ifpodcast with code ifpodcast. And we'll put all this information in the show notes.
One more thing before we jump in. Did you know that common ingredients found in skincare and makeup products can actually disrupt your endocrine system? These endocrine disruptors are a silent threat that can have significant impact on your health, including something that is very important to me, fertility. Your skin is your body's largest organ and what you put on it matters. Endocrine disruptors are chemicals that interfere with the natural hormonal communication in the body. It also matters during pregnancy. And that's one of the reasons I pay close attention to what I put on my skin while being pregnant. Studies have shown that exposure to endocrine disruptors can affect both male and female fertility. For women, these disruptors can lead to irregular menstrual cycles, ovulation issues, and even polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. In men, they can reduce sperm quality and quantity, making it even more challenging to conceive. But it's not just about fertility. When it comes to fat loss, one of the reasons that endocrine disruptors can get in the way of fat loss is because a lot of our toxins are actually stored in our fat. It's a way that our bodies protect us from those toxins. These toxic compounds can even work synergistically, amplifying their harmful effects and making it that much harder to shed unwanted body fat. All of these reasons are why I am obsessed with a company called Beauty Counter. The founder actually started the company when she learned about the potential dangers of toxic chemicals and their link to health issues, specifically miscarriages and infertility. While pregnant, I make sure to only use Beauty Counter products. It's one of the only makeup lines that is officially recommended from the Environmental Working Group. What really sets Beauty Counter apart is their unwavering commitment to protecting us, the consumers, from the hidden dangers that lurk in conventional beauty products. Beauty Counter goes above and beyond, rigorously screening every single ingredient that goes into their products, ensuring that they are safe, clean, and free from harmful toxins. They're not just a beauty brand, they're a movement for change, advocating for stronger regulations in the beauty industry. With Beauty Counter, I know that I can trust that the skincare and makeup that I use are not only effective, but also safe for me and my family. They have skincare lines for every skin type, as well as so many other incredible products. I absolutely love their overnight resurfacing peel. It's my favorite way to get anti-aging benefits in a skincare product. The makeup is absolutely amazing. I have tried alternative beauty products in the past and none of them truly performed. But with Beauty Counter, the foundation is so amazing. It makes me feel like my skin can breathe and it looks so dewy and beautiful. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. New customers can use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off their first order. Beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 215 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with Jen Stevens. Hi, everybody. And I'm dying, listeners, because I just forgot the intro. (laughs) I get, it took 215 episodes for me to forget what I say in the beginning. 215. How are you today, Jen? Well, I have some very exciting news. What is that? Well, I can finally announce the name of my new book officially because it's actually on Amazon already for pre-order, which, which is crazy how that happens. It happened like that with Fast Feast Repeat. Like one day, they're like, you know, still kind of hush-hush. And the next day, there it was. <laughs> That's really exciting. It is exciting. The name of my new book is Cleanish, 
And the subtitle is Eat Mostly Clean, Live Mainly Clean, and Unlock Your Body's Natural Ability to Self-Clean. Now, that subtitle is still a work in progress because I had a meeting with the whole team from St. Martin's last week. And they're like, well, we're still fine-tuning it. In fact, if you go to Amazon and find it, the subtitle is wrong on Amazon. They have the old one that I was like, no, this is not the subtitle we're going to use. So, Because <laughs> this is not a diet book, you know, and it's not a follow this diet and you will lose a lot of weight. This is a healthy way to live kind of a book. And so, you know, I don't want it to sound diety in the subtitle. It's hard to find. You know how Amazon, until it's been searched a bunch of times. Okay, so it doesn't have a picture yet. Well, it actually does. If you go to... I think they took it down. Did they? It was up there earlier today. If you click on the paperback version, the picture was showing. Oh, yes. My bad. Yeah. So if you click on if you click on the paperback version, you can see the working cover. And sometimes those change over time. So this is the cover we're working with right now, and I love it. So hopefully it'll still be there when people look for it. I had a hard time finding it searching by name. But did you just search for the name and it came up? I searched for the name. It didn't come up. I searched for the name and your and your name and it didn't come up. So then I went to your, I went to Fast Feast Repeat. The author page? Oh, okay. Yeah. And then I went to your author. Yeah. If you go to my author page, if you go through one of my other books and click on, you know, my name, Jen Stevens, and go to the official Amazon author page, it shows up there. Although yesterday there was some kind of bug on Amazon and the author page wasn't working and it like looked crazy and it didn't have my books there. And I'm like, what's happening? It had like this weird spiral version of Delay Don't Deny that some enterprising person, bless their heart, has created. They bought Delay Don't Deny paperback, took it somewhere, had spiral added, and now they're selling it on Amazon. You can buy a spiral version. And I mean, I have no problem with it because they actually bought it. You know, they bought it, so they're reselling it, you know. How do you know that they're reselling yours? Because I bought one with the way that Amazon works. Because my book is print-on-demand, they have, like, a special code and everyone, like, a unique number, so I can tell. Anyway, so people are like, what is this special spiral version? And I'm like, it's somebody, some enterprising seller who, you know, wants people to have a spiral version. That's funny. Everyone they sell is a sale for me because they bought it already. So they're reselling it. So it's it's like the person who's buying their version from them could have just bought mine, but they bought theirs. But because they had already bought mine, you know, it's not costing me a sale. So I don't mind if, they're, if they want to do that, I you know, go for it. It's the fake versions I don't like, but this is, you know, anyway, but that was the only thing showing up. Like Fast Feast Repeat wasn't showing up, only the spiral version. Delay Don't Deny wasn't showing up. I'm like, what's happening? The search was not even working. I couldn't even search for Delay Don't Deny and have it come up. So I like in a panic called Amazon Author Central and I was like, what's happening? They're like, oh, it's a bug. It's happening to a lot of people. It's not just you. We're fixing it. I'm like, okay, whew. Well, we'll make it easy for listeners, and we'll put a link in the show notes directly to the book. But anyway, I'm so excited just to have it out there. And the word clean-ish, you know, with that ish in parentheses, is really, you know, people that know me, they know that's very much how I live. And, you know, I talked throughout the book about my whole journey to becoming more clean-ish. And I think listeners have even heard my evolution over time, because it's really the more you learn the more you realize it's important to make changes. And I go through the whole, you know, explanation of why. You know, why is 2021 different than, you know, 
1921. Why is it a different time? Why do we have to be more careful? And, you know, it's, it's basically chemicals are everywhere in a different kind of way. So our bodies are having to manage something they've never had to manage before. Yes. And we're not able to do it well. So that's why it's really important to really be careful of what you're putting in so that your body, your body's great at taking things out. You know, I talk about the the body's natural self-cleaning abilities. One of the tools is, of course, intermittent fasting. This is not an intermittent fasting book, however. I want it to be something that appeals to people who are like, yeah, I'm never going to do intermittent fasting. So I really, it was hard for me to talk my publisher into not having it be an intermittent fasting book because a lot of people would not pick it up. People don't all want to do intermittent fasting. Now I'm going to sneaky talk them into it after they read Cleanish. <laughs> they don't even know they want to do intermittent fasting. But, you know, all the people in the world who want to improve their health don't all necessarily want to do intermittent fasting, of course, yet. <laughs> but I, I want to appeal to a lot of people and then obviously bring them into intermittent fasting. But this is something for an intermittent faster who wants to just kind of fine-tune and live a healthier life. You know, it's like my switch to beauty counter and your switch to beauty counter. And, you know, I've switched all my cleaning products. And yesterday I changed out my pans in my kitchen. I was hanging on to a few nonstick pans. You're like me. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm clean-ish. So, <laughs> you know, we went out to eat last night and we had fried food. And, oh, my gosh, it was so good. It was the We went with some friends of ours, and it was these grits fritters. They were in a tempura batter, and I'm sure they were fried in some terrible oil. But because I'm clean-ish, I don't cook like that at home. I can enjoy them and then come home tonight and have my organic green chef, and, <laughs> and that is okay. Yeah, it reminds me, a few days ago, I interviewed Dr. Robert Lustig. Oh, yeah. He's been popping up everywhere since his new book came out. Yeah, no, he's incredible. Oh, and he mentioned in the, our conversation, Dr. Ludwig, and I wanted to be like, <laughs> wanted to be like, my co-host thinks you and him are the same person, but combines your name. Yeah, I still don't know who is which. <laughs> what did you call him, Mr.? <laughs> I don't know. Lustwig? Lustwig, you combined it. <laughs> I don't know. They're too similar. The names are too similar. One of the things, though, I, I thought about a conversation we had had on this show was we were talking about uh, processed food, and he talked about the NOVA classification of food and the four classifications. And he was saying that it's only the fourth category that's linked to health issues, but it's linked to basically all the health issues. All of them. I'll talk about that even more in Cleanish, you know. And the thing I love about Cleanish that I'm so proud of, by the way, my editor has started reading it since she's had it now in her possession for over a week, and she loves it, which is very exciting. She's loving it. But it's it's an actionable book. And so the reader, I'm not just going to tell you these are the things to avoid. This is what you do. This is what you eat. The reader creates their own definition after I you know, explain and go through the framework, everyone creates their own definition of what it means to them to eat mostly clean and what it means to live mainly clean. So what about the people like me that want to live? Well, I mean, you, you're free to create your own definition. Awesome. And, and that's you know, based on what resonates with you. And so you know, we don't want to be so extreme we can't live in the world because that can be dangerous. You know, when you read about, quote, clean eating— there's a lot of people who really criticize it as leading to unrealistic 
expectations and also even eating disorders. You'll hear that critique tossed around a lot. So I wanted to kind of say, you know, why is it okay to work towards eating in a way that's healthy and when does it become a problem? So that people can you know, decide for themselves. But I really want people, you know, instead of me saying, here's what you do and here's what you don't do, it's like, here's some concerns. Here's some things. Here's why we're worried about, you know, artificial sweeteners. And then you get to decide. You know, I kind of, I didn't use this wording in my book, but, you know, anyone who's familiar with Beauty Counter, they have the never list. These are things they will never put in their products. Creating your own definition, it's kind of like your own your own personal never list. Again, I don't call it that in the book, but like these are the things I'm never going to do. Like I, I don't do artificial sweeteners. In my definition of cleanish, I can see zero benefit to me having an artificial sweetener. There's no time that I ever need to have that. Like if the only kind of soda available was diet soda, I wouldn't drink the soda, right? So, but last night I wanted to eat, you know, those delicious grits cakes and the fact that they were fried in a restaurant oil was not a deal breaker. You know, here at home, I'm never going to use those oils. So it's kind of like, you know, that's you just decide where's your line. Here's the evidence. You decide where your line is. And that's that's what it means to live cleanish. But, you know, it really inspired me. The more I learned, the I mean, I got rid of a lot of stuff in my house. Yeah. No, that's incredible. Like for me, I guess, like the line when I go to restaurants is I make sure that they don't use any of the oils. Right. Because you've got that on your never list. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Anyway, I really am proud of this book. And as I said, my editor is really, really fond of it, although she's now working on the editorial revisions, which makes me nervous. <laughs> and I have a lot of parts, like after every chapter, I want you to pause and reflect and take action so that you're not just reading it. After every chapter, you do something. That's the teacher in me. And she's like, there's a lot of that. I'm like, yeah, I know, but it's really important. It's really important. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> Well, very exciting. It is so exciting. I'm just glad that it's out there. Today, I sat in the front yard, Melanie, and I read a book, and it was fiction, like a fiction book. That's amazing. And my neighbor walked by, and she was walking her dog, and I was like, I'm reading a book. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) I know. It feels amazing. Anyway, although it's a very tight turnaround, because when we talked to the team the other day, the team at St. Martin's, the galleys are going to be out July 29th. Which is like around the corner. Can I get one? Oh, yeah. I'll make sure you get on the galley list. Yeah, July 29th. And so by the time this episode comes out, I look at, I see the date here. It's the, the end of May. So that's two months. So we have to do all the copy editing and all of the, the editorial changes really quickly. And then the on-sale date is January 4th, which I think is really a, a great time because, you know, it's the new year. We have these... You know, people have goals. You know, the new year is a good time to really work on becoming cleanish. But it's not a fast process. I mean, it might take you, you know, a year, and that's okay. And I'm going to have a book study and work through it with readers once it comes out. Very nice. Yeah, I'm really excited about that too. So again, for listeners, the show notes will be at ifpodcast.com slash episode 215, and we will put a link directly to the book there. That's so exciting. I'm also going to be working on between now and probably by the time this episode comes out, I'll have it jenstevens.com slash cleanish. And when you when I we're writing cleanish like that, it's going to be all one word. No print, no, you know, punctuation. You can't have the punctuation in there on the web address. But I mean, I don't know, could you? We're not going to. But jenstevens.com slash cleanish as one word. And that will direct 
St. Martin's is working on all the pre-order. The landing page. Yeah, a landing page. Exactly. It's going to have the landing page for everything. And I'm also going to include links. Like, I'll go ahead and pop Beauty Counter on there because that's who I endorse for clean beauty. And you too. I mean, because I'm convinced. Honestly, you know, you kind of are like, you're going to like it. And I'm like, yeah, 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 whatever. I'll try it. And then I really liked the products. Okay. So liking the products is what convinced me. I'm like, Melanie thinks this is important. I like the products. They're good products. I'm going to do it. And then, but when I really started digging into the research, I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Cannot be putting this on my skin anymore. Yeah. And I'm like, Chad, let's make some changes, Chad. I know. That's why Beauty Counter is so amazing because not only were they founded on that mission, like the creator, Greg, she did it because of realizing the role of endocrine disruptors in like fertility issues and miscarriages. And so their purpose is removing chemicals, but then their, I think their goal with that was to make products that actually work. So the products are just amazing. Exactly. They have to work or I don't want to use them. Yeah. Like I started it just for the makeup because I was like, I'll just use like Castile soap. But I don't really use like face products. But ironically, I so I started using the makeup. I started seeing all the feedback from my audience about their obsession with all of the skincare products. And I was like, oh, maybe I should try these products after all. So now I'm sold on everything. It's true. And it really is just good stuff. So, you know, the whole premise of Cleanish is put less in, like I said, and let your body work to take out what it needs to take out. So because our bodies are great at doing detox naturally, but we have to support that. And also the role of food. You know, food is really important in how our bodies clean, believe it or not. I know you believe it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Our link for Beauty Counter is melanieavalon.com slash beauty counter. And can I talk about one thing that I talked about with Dr. Lustig that related to fasting? Or it's about fasting. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if this is correct. I mean, I'm sure it's correct. It came straight from him, but I kept asking him more questions about it. So he thinks that basically the main issue with, I don't know if it's the main issue. Oh, his book, by the way, is called Metabolical. I cannot recommend it enough. It's one of the most mind-blowing things I've ever read. And it, and it talks about everything we just talked about. Is it mostly about the, you know, the ultra-processed food? It's more about the food industry. Yeah, so it's about the food industry, big pharma, the medical system, government. Because yeah, I've got some stuff about the, the food system and cleanish. Like his chapter on food fraud blew my mind. Oh, yeah, it's not about food fraud. I don't have any of that. Well, I'm looking forward to reading it. Actually, so I always make notes to prep for the show. And I think this is probably out of the, you know, 100 episodes I've done, probably like in the top three for like the most notes that I had leading up to it. Give me an example of the food fraud. The one everybody knows is like olive oil. So I think you said like 60% of olive oil. I might be incorrect with that stat. It was some huge stat of olive oil that says it is extra virgin or Italian is neither extra virgin nor Italian. The food fraud in the fish industry is insane. And it makes me sad because I think a lot of people watch that Seaspiracy documentary on Netflix and they think they shouldn't eat fish, but like that's not the solution, I don't think. I think the solution is addressing the issue. So having transparency, working, you know, vetting your sources. That's why I love ButcherBox because they go to great lengths with the traceability and the transparency. Literally, he talks about the fish industry and basically they they just lie. Like they just lie. Like the fish at the supermarket may or may not be the fish that it says it is. He said it's more of a problem in restaurants. 
He talks about the fish that often get swapped out. So I think it's like snapper and tilapia or something or cod. I don't know. They they switch out fish. Some of the other stuff was, oh, the honey industry is just crazy. It's a ton of fraud. Like they didn't really start regulating it until two things happened, like two big events. One was that when something happened in Asia and some sort of compound got into the milk and it actually filtered its way over to the U.S. because it was so pervasive. But then the second one was apparently there was some sort of meat thing that happened. I think it was in the 2000s when a large portion of meat that was getting exported to the U.S. was actually, it was labeled as beef, but it was actually horse. I remember that. But I don't know if it was happening a lot in the United States, but I think it was in Europe, right? It was in Europe. But it had also happened in the United States? It was in Europe, but some of it got exported to the U.S. Oh, Lord. I know that, like, for example, it was like an Ikea meatballs or horse or something. I remember that. And I was like, okay, note to self. So that's when they started looking closer at food fraud as far as, like, regulation goes. But in the processed food industry, there's just a lot of fraud with just the ingredients. And it's shocking. (laughs) It's really shocking. And, you know, the supplement industry. I talked a little bit about the supplement industry as well in in my cleanish about, you know— the supplements are often not what they say they are, and they can even put dangerous things in there, like prescription drugs are in a supplement that are supposed to be like something else, like ginkgo biloba, and it's not ginkgo biloba. It's something completely different. And so can you imagine all the interactions you might have? So that's why it's so important to carefully vet any supplements you're taking and only use companies that are completely that you trust. There's food fraud with cheese where they were adding cellulose to it and like some of the cheese, and this was in the U.S., some of the cheese didn't even have any cheese in it. That's crazy. I know. So the different types are dilution. So like the virgin olive oil, diluting it with other things. Substitution. So substituting fish for other fish. Tilapia is usually substituted, is often substituted for snapper. Intentionally contaminating or concealing. So, oh, that was melamine that was in milk and then cheese and cellulose. Country of origin is often incorrect counterfeiting where they just make stuff up. He said, actually, organic is usually the main target of fraudsters because there's more money in it. So that's concerning. Uh, Well, that makes it even harder because you're trying, you know, you're, I talk in cleanish about the different labels that you can trust. (laughs) But I guess if they're lying about it, that's, you know, but the, like the certified organic label is a label you can trust if it has really been certified. Mm-hmm. So the generally recognized as safe list, which is the FDA's list of things that are generally recognized as safe. Like food coloring, for example. Yeah. And then it's things that you can put into, you know, cosmetics or food. Well, it's privatized. So that means the government, like the FDA doesn't even really know what's on it. Private companies can just add to it and it's super easy to add things. All you have to do is basically like hire like a, science community thing like it's like super easy to get compounds on the list it's ridiculously hard to take compounds off so like only two compounds have been taken off nitrates and trans fats yeah europe does a much better job of these types of you know monitoring these types of chemicals than we do my research was just fascinating and the more i learned the more i was like wow i mean a lot of it is reminiscent of the tobacco industry and yes yeah he talks a lot about that does he mhm The question I asked him, though, was, so he thinks that 
it really all goes back to the liver. So that's when the liver fills up with fat, that's what's creating the metabolic issues. But he said that, and so the, and that fat is created from carbs usually. So, you know, excess carbs turning into fat in the liver. And I asked him, but to what extent does, because, you know, we talk a lot on this show about how, you know, the carb to fat conversion, you don't convert a lot of carbs to fat. And he was saying that, and I don't know if he like actually clarified it, if we actually like nailed it down, but it sounds like the liver fills up with fat. But then beyond that, I don't really think that the carbs are creating substantial amounts of body fat. It's that the liver fills up with fat and then you just become more and more insulin resistant and you're storing more fat from your just your diet in general, like the fat in your diet. But he said when you're fasting, that fasting depletes liver fat before it depletes liver glycogen. Well, that's not surprising, I guess. That makes sense to me. Every day. That's interesting. And that makes me think of my friend Roxy. I interviewed her for intermittent fasting stories, and she's a longtime moderator in my community, and she's also active on the Delay Don't Deny social network. When she started intermittent fasting, she had a fatty liver, and she didn't lose any weight for a long, long time with intermittent fasting, but she completely reversed her fatty liver. Mm-hmm. The thing I was wondering, like, do you think on a daily cyclical basis, and I asked him this, and he said yes. Well, here's the thing, though. Here's my question to this, Melanie. This is why I'm not sure that that's true. When we're fasting, our bodies do need to keep our blood glucose in this range, Right. So we, I think our liver would release glycogen while we're fasting for that purpose. It's not just only because if you dump out the fat, you're not going to be your, – your body wouldn't release fat and then turn that into glucose. So I, I don't think that your body's not going to release some glycogen from your liver during the fast just because you have a fatty liver. I don't think anybody would deplete the liver fat in your daily fast. And I imagine you're tapping into the glycogen – as well. Daily. Yeah. I mean, maybe he's saying that you're going to tap into your liver fat and use that before your body fat. No, no, no. I asked him. He was saying before the glycogen. Yeah, I don't think that's true. I was like, I'm sorry. I keep asking about this. I was like, but to clarify. (laughs) I'm not a medical doctor. Based on everything I know and how the liver releases glycogen and keeps your blood sugar in that range. I mean, we see it when you drink coffee and your liver dumps the glycogen, your blood sugar goes up. I mean, I've seen, of course, I don't have a fatty liver, but I don't know. I I can't imagine that your body would not release an iota of glycogen from your liver. I think he did say that they both are sort of happening, but he said for sure that the fat is going first. So I don't know. It It was an interesting, it was an amazing conversation, though. It won't be out by the time this comes out, but. It makes me want to read his book, but right now I'm just going to read fiction. Just going to read fiction for a while because my brain needs to have fiction in it. My my brain is tired. Like while I'm working on my notes, I play movies. That's how I get my my fiction in. Well, I love to read. And it's just been, you know, I haven't read fiction because I've been, even before I started writing Cleanish, I was reading, you know, about the topics and because I had it in my mind. So I've just been science, science, science. And now I'm like, I just want to read. Yeah. Can I share one more thing? Sure. I know we haven't even answered any listener questions yet, but just really quickly, yesterday I did a Facebook live thing with Marty Kendall. Oh, I saw that you were going to do that You on Instagram. Maybe you had posted it. Did you post it on Instagram? I saw it somewhere. Yeah. So that was really, really amazing. I love him so much. He's great. Yeah. No, he's fantastic. 
for listeners, he wrote Big Fat Keto Lies and really just dismantles a lot of the lies in the the keto community. But he was interviewing me. It wasn't me interviewing him. And we were doing it on biohacking. And it made me think like, because he asked me, a lot of his questions had to do with like, what are the main, like out of all the biohacking things, like what are the things that are non-negotiables in my life? And like with biohacking fatigue, like how do you know out of all the things, like what to get and all of that. And it really made me realize like the things that really are non-negotiables in my life every single day. Do you use the blue light blocking glasses? I do. I do use them. And and again, when I was writing Cleanish, I have a chapter on, you know, other tools for self-cleaning. And I know that that blue light is not technically a dirty chemical coming in, but it is a, in a way, dirty. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so you can clean up by wearing your blue light blocking glasses. Yeah, because people often ask me, like, if you had to pick just one thing in the biohacking world. And it's really hard because there are so many things that I benefit from. But honestly, those are the things that I use every single night of my life. My whole experience of my energy and my sleep would just be profoundly different if I didn't have them in my life. And sleep is such an important mechanism for self-cleaning because, I mean, our, our audience knows about autophagy and how that works during the fast. But, you know, the glymphatic system which is not the same as the lymphatic system. It has a G in front of it. The glymphatic system is our brain's self-cleaning mechanism that happens while we're sleeping. And so your brain has to have that self-cleaning time, so you have to get into a good sleep. So that's, again, where the blue light blocking fits in. Anything that is disturbing your sleep is a problem because your brain cannot self-clean if you're not getting sufficient sleep. Cannot. Yeah. And... When we have our lights on at night, it basically just stops our melatonin production. Yeah, because it's like the blue light is what we have in the middle of the day. Like that's our body's signal that it's the middle of the day and we should be alert. So blue light makes us alert. That's its purpose. Yeah. Blue Box makes three different types. So they make like clear computer glasses if you're staring at screens all day. So those still let in blue light, but they're blocking, you know, some of it. So to mitigate computer screens. And then they have their summer glow, so they're yellow-tinged ones. And I put those on as like the sun is winding down, and those are incredible. And they also have a certain yellow spectrum. The actual yellow color they use has been shown to boost mood. And then they have their Sleep Plus lens. So those are the ones that block you know, all of the blue light, and I put those on right before bed. And it's just a profound difference. If I ever accidentally like take them off at night, I'm like, oh, what? I know. It's like the light is blinding. You're like, what is this crazy light shining? Yeah. Yeah. It's true. So yeah. So I I think it's hard, like I said, but I think if I had to pick one thing in my daily life that I think would benefit most people, it might be that. Well, you know, just the sleep connection is so powerful. And if you're struggling with sleep, that's one thing to think about. You know, again, this is what I was talking about, how our modern life is so different. They didn't have this problem back in 1921. Right. Exactly. And here we are having these problems, and we're so sick and unhealthy as a society, and it's getting worse and worse and worse. And and people are gaining more and more weight and having more and more autoimmune diseases. And there's not just one thing that you can put your finger on. Well, it's like, oh, it's this. No, it's everything piling up. Exactly. And so lowering your load, your toxic load, lowering, you know, doing your the best you can, because, I mean, you're going to have exposure, you know, babies are born with chemicals in their cord blood. 
you know, there was some something that came out. Someone sent me an article this week. They tested breast milk, and a hundred percent of the breast milk had—I can't remember what chemical they found in it. Hundred percent. I know. It's so pervasive. When a woman gives birth, it's like a detox. Like a lot of those chemicals go through the placenta into the newborn. It's true, and so we have to be so careful with what we're putting in because some things you're just exposed to living your life. You cannot help it. It's out there. So now, you know, back, you know, 50 years ago, your body could maybe handle a little bit more. But now we're so saturated that we have to be more careful. Not to scare people. I don't want people to be afraid because you really can take powerful steps. Just change your skincare. Change what you're cleaning with. And then so much less is going to be coming in. Yep. All right. Shall we answer some questions for today? Yes, but we talked about lots of important stuff. So <laughs> I love it. All right. So we have a question from Anais. And the subject is a few questions for you. And she says, hi, Jen and Melanie. In a previous episode, you talked about how fasted exercise helps you grow muscle. But I also heard you say that exercise can help lower your blood sugar levels. I am close to the pre-diabetic range, and so I wondered if it would be more interesting for me to work out shortly after eating to help lower my blood sugar levels, or if it would still be best to work out as far in my fast as possible. So let's just take these one by one. So I thought this was a great question, and it's something I've thought about as well. So yes, exactly what she said. I mean, it depends also as well what type of exercise you're doing, but generally exercise in the fasted state, especially when you're deep into the fat burning, that's going to really capitalize on that and help you burn more body fat. Because especially in the fasted state, you know, regulating your blood sugar levels for a lot of people, they're going to be more stable anyway. So that's not really the thing you're addressing as much compared to exercising after eating, for example, that can really help with lowering blood sugar levels, especially if you get spikes after meals. Can I jump in real quick with something that anecdotal that we know in our community? Yes. And again, going back to my friend Roxy that I just talked about a few minutes ago, she has a CGM and so she monitors her blood sugar and she goes to Zumba. She loves to go to Zumba. Right after she does Zumba, her blood sugar always goes way up. Mm, high intensity, right? Yep. Yep. That would be the exception. Or not the exception, but... Well, just, you know, because your body's dumping the glycogen. So just actually don't be surprised if that happens, but that's not a bad thing. So that can make people scared, like, oh my gosh, this exercise is making me worse. And it is, it's not. It's just your body doing something because of the exertion. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Because if you're in the fasted state and your blood sugar is not elevated, and then you do high intensity exercise where you need that glucose, the body can generate it and spike your blood sugar. Compared to if you're exercising in the fed state, if your blood glucose is already high, then the exercise can be using that already high blood glucose and lowering it. So really, it's just a matter of your goals. You know, you could do both, but you can just approach exercise with that mindset of what it would be addressing. I just can't imagine eating and then going to work out. I, I don't think I'd feel my best. I don't want to work out on a full stomach. Because I, I, that just sounds like the worst plan in the world to me. Now that I know what it's like to work out in the fasted state, I cannot imagine eating a meal and then be like, now I'm going to work out. I guess in my head I was envisioning, she did say work out, so that would be more accurate. In my head I was envisioning like a walk after dinner. Yeah, that's okay. Nothing wrong with that. That feels good. But like a workout, I think I would throw up. I don't know. <laughs> I would not want to. Uh-uh, no. But yeah, so really it's based on your goals. 
Yeah. Hi, friends. I'm about to tell you how to get 15% off my favorite blue light blocking glasses ever. So I am often asked, what are my favorite quote, biohacking products, and something I truly, honestly cannot imagine my life without are blue light blocking glasses. So in today's modern environment, we are massively overexposed to blue light. It's a stimulating type of light, which can lead to stress, anxiety, headaches, and in particular, sleep issues. Blue light actually stops our bodies from producing melatonin, which is our sleep hormone. So our exposure to blue light can completely disrupt our circadian rhythm, make it hard to fall asleep, make it hard to stay asleep, and so much more. Friends, I identify as an insomniac. I would not be able to sleep without my blue light blocking glasses. I also stay up late working and wearing blue light blocking glasses at night has made it so I can do that and still fall asleep. My absolute favorite blue light blocking glasses on the market are Bon Charge, formerly known as Blue Blocks. Bon Charge makes an array of blue light blocking glasses in all different designs so you can truly find something that fits your style and reap all of the benefits of blue light blocking. They have their clear computer glasses. You can wear those during the day, especially if you're looking at screens all day to help with anxiety, headaches, and stress. They have their light sensitivity glasses. Those are tinged with a special yellow color, scientifically proven to boost mood, and they block even more blue light. Those are great for the day or evening. And then they have their blue light blocking glasses for sleep. Those are the ones that I put on at night while working before bed. Oh my goodness, friends. It's something you truly have to experience. You put on these glasses and it's like you just tell your brain, okay, it's time to go to sleep soon. They also have amazing blackout sleep masks. Those block 100% of light with zero eye pressure. I wear this every single night and I don't know how I would sleep without it. And you can get 15% off site-wide. Just go to bondcharge.com and use the coupon code IFPODCAST to save 15%. That's B-O-N-C-H-A-R-G-E.com with the coupon code IFPODCAST to save 15%. All right, now back to the show. All right. She says, my other question is about the high-carb, low-fat diet. I've always heard that protein is often related to high-fat, so isn't a high-carb, low-fat diet incompatible with high-protein? Also a great question. It is true that people often associate protein and fat because meat normally has fat (laughs) with it or, you know, vegan alternatives of things that are people think are high in protein, like nuts, or I guess dairy as well is often high fat and high protein, but it doesn't have to be. (laughs) There's a lot of lean protein that is not high in fat. So, I mean, if you want no fat, egg whites, zero fat. Don't we all remember the the lean chicken breasts that we all ate back in the... (laughs) I still eat lean chicken breasts because I tend to eat a high carb, high protein low-fat diet most days. Yeah, so like lean chicken breast, shrimp, scallops, a lot of white fish is pretty lean. Beans. Mm-hmm. Melanie's not eating the beans, but I'm eating the beans. <laughs> low-fat cottage cheese. There's a lot of low-fat dairy, so they do not necessarily have to go together. The thing about meat is, because this is something that the the vegan population people will point out a lot, it's that like in beef, for example, you can remove the fat that you see. You can't remove the intramuscular fat. That's not something that you'd be able to, you know, cut away. It's possibly something you could cook out a little bit, but you, it's hard to like reduce it completely. 
Well, that's what we used to do, Melanie. Back in the low-fat diets of the early 90s, we would buy the leanest ground beef you could buy, and then you would cook it, and then you would rinse it. We rinsed it off. Like, I remember doing that, rinsing my ground beef. (laughs) I still do that. Not me. Not me. (laughs) If you want to address the intramuscular fat, grass-fed beef is lower in intramuscular fat than corn-fed beef. The corn-fed beef is basically made to fatten up compared to beef on pasture completely. So I finally cooked a good steak the other day. Like I'm, I've always said I can't cook steak. I had a grass-fed, some grass-fed steak, and I finally managed to cook it properly, and it was amazing. I don't know. It might have only happened once in my life. <laughs> we'll see. But it was like the best steak I've ever had, and I managed to cook it myself. It was not low fat, though, because I put a little butter on top. I'm a huge steak fan as well, Jen. And going back to, I was talking at the beginning about ButcherBox with the the seafood industry and everything. Their steaks are incredible as well. So good. They are. Yeah. So their steaks, and uh, especially after reading Metabolical, I've realized more and more as consumers, <laughs> I feel like I'm being on a soapbox right now, but like making change in our system. Oh, Dr. Robert Lustig, I'm all over the place right now. He also talks about like climate and greenhouse gases and the role of agriculture versus plants. And it's very much in line with Rob Wolf's sacred cow. There's a lot of confusion surrounding what is sustainable for the planet in the future and our health. Really, I honestly, truly believe that the solution is regenerative agriculture. It is what is closest to the natural state of our planet. And it's the way the planet is naturally meant to be. And he he talks all about in his book, the different greenhouse gases and the difference in when like regenerative agriculture you know, sustainable methods, how that actually could reverse the climate issues that we have. Really, all the issues are it's the processed food industry and the conventional farming system that's creating all of these problems. In any case, (laughs) that's why I feel like the change is going to have to come from consumers and making their choices. It's happening slow. Well, quickly, actually, I was was saying it was happening slowly. But, you know, everywhere you go, even, you know, if you're shopping, wherever you're shopping, big box stores, they have organic foods now. I bought some beans. I was throwing them into a soup that I was making. I was at just Kroger, and they had like whatever like, you know brand of organic that they have. And it was like $1 for this can of beans. It was cheaper to buy the organic beans than it was to buy the big name brand non-organic. Yeah. I actually asked him about that. What were his thoughts on the commercialization of organic practices? Like, was that a good thing or a bad thing? Because there's been discussion in my Facebook group, IF Biohackers, where somebody was lamenting some big corporate company buying out organic brands. And I was saying, well, you know, maybe, is that a good thing? I think it's a good thing. Here's my thought on it. It's because consumers are demanding better and the big corporations want to do what we will buy. And so to me, it is a huge positive sign. The fact that there's more and more choice out there is good because... We're demanding it, and and it's happening. Like when I talk about in Cleanish about years ago when Will and his food sensitivities and chemical sensitivities, I don't think I've ever told this story in public, really, but we had a really hard time finding things that, that Will could, could use and eat because he you know responded very poorly to certain chemicals. It was really hard. This was in the early 2000s. He was born in 99, and this is when he was little. 
But now it's everywhere you go. It's Walmart. It's Kroger. It's every grocery store has options. Mm-hmm. I think that's incredible. And then, all right, and we have one more question here from Anais, and it's finally just a question about the Aura Ring. Is it a good device to help you track your cycles thanks to the body temperature feedback? And I can actually answer this even though I don't have an Aura Ring, Melanie. Really? Because a friend of mine has one, not you, another friend. Well, I lost mine. Did you know that? Well, yeah. (laughs) You can tell about that in a minute. But my friend who has one, based on, I'm not really sure, her, her birth control or she had an ablation or something, so she does not have a a visible cycle, if you know what I'm saying. And she's of the age where she is approaching. She's like perimenopausal. So she's not sure, you know, so she like doesn't know. She doesn't know based on cycles what's happening as opposed to the menopausal transition. But she knows because of her aura ring, her body temperature, she can tell that she's still cycling. She can tell that her, you know, ovaries are still, you know, doing what they do because of the change in the body temperature. So 100%, yes, you can do that. I lost my diamond O-ring. How in the world have you lost another one? I don't know. Can I tell you? Okay, so it was on my finger, obviously. (laughs) I was at my apartment. It was on my finger. All I did was I went to, like, not far. I went to Target. I walked in. I bought cucumbers. I walked out. I went to cryotherapy. I realized at cryotherapy it was gone. I went back... You can get a Bluetooth tracker that shows Bluetooth devices. I retraced everywhere. Somebody probably picked it up. Probably fell and somebody... And they didn't know what they had. I know. <laughs> they picked up this ring with diamonds and strange computer chips. You've got to get a tighter one. Maybe one that fits a little tight on your finger. I don't want a tighter one. I will. In any case, <laughs> I'm really sad. So I've interviewed the CEO, Harpreet Ray, twice on the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast. And... In the most recent episode, we dived deep, deep into this because it does have temperature tracking capabilities and women do notice changes in their cycles. And they're currently, because they're always updating the app and updating, you know, the information from it. So right now they're currently working on the software and the app to predict your cycle. Yeah. To tell more about women's cycles, take that and what phase you're in. When I was trying to get pregnant back in, let's see, Will was born in 99. So this was... (laughs) Anyway, when I was trying to get pregnant with Will, I read a book about fertility and women and and charting with your temperature. And so I was taking, actually, I think I might have even done that when I was trying to get pregnant with Cal. I'm not sure. But I was taking my temperature and then knowing where I was in my cycle because it's really accurate. I'm actually reading right now, Elisa Vitti, that In the Flow book. It's blowing my mind about, I've learned so much about women's cycles. I didn't know anything. (laughs) I've learned so much. So long story short, the temperature does play a huge role. And the aura ring, yes, it shows your temperature right now. You have to make your own intuitive thoughts based on it. But in the future, it should have more information about women's cycles. See, I both want an aura ring and do not want an aura ring. I don't want to wear it. Why not? Like, I don't want to. I just don't want to have something on my finger. Like, I don't sleep in my wedding ring anymore. I used to, but then I stopped. So I don't sleep in any rings, and I don't want to sleep in a ring. I don't want to wear a ring. I don't like big, bulky rings, but I now I really want an aura ring. Darn it. Aura ring, make a little ring. <laughs> I need them to have their technology miniature, so it's a skinny little ring. I don't like thick rings, but now I really want an aura ring. I'm having a dilemma. I know. Just do it, Jen. <laughs> you will love it. I don't know. 
You will love it. Jury's out. But I really do want one because I want to track all those more things. I love that it gives you a readiness score. You know, hearing my friend Sherry talk about hers and how it's always right. <sighs> yeah, it's it's amazing. I mean, even though my bed tracks my sleep, I feel like the Oura Ring would do a better job. Because, like, sometimes I know I had a bad night's sleep, and my bed's like, great night's sleep. I'm like, that's a lie. Hi, friends. I'm about to tell you how to get 20% off one of my favorite things for truly taking charge of your health, including testing something we talk about all the time, your insulin levels. So to live your healthiest and longest life possible, you need to understand what's going on inside. Inside Tracker takes a personalized approach to health and longevity from the most trusted and relevant source that would be your body. By using data from your blood, DNA, and fitness trackers, Inside Tracker gives you personalized and science backed recommendations on things that you can take control of to optimize your health. What I love about Inside Tracker is that Inside Tracker tests provide optimal ranges, not conventional ranges, for over 40 biomarkers, including magnesium, vitamin D, testosterone, cortisol, ferritin, which is the storage form of iron that is rare for doctors to test, ApoB, three key female biomarkers, and something I am so excited about, Inside Tracker recently added insulin testing to their ultimate plan. Friends, I am thrilled about this. We talk about insulin all the time on this show. It is so relevant to your metabolic health and your lifespan. In particular, insulin tracking is an early warning sign for several chronic diseases and is a key indicator of energy optimization. It can really let you know if your diet, if your fasting is working for you, you want to test your insulin. It is so hard to get doctors to test insulin, and now you can do it with Inside Tracker. The thing I love most about Inside Tracker is that they have a strict science-backed approach to everything they do. If your specific biomarker level is unoptimized, Inside Tracker actually provides recommendations that are backed by dozens of peer-reviewed studies and personalized to you. This process was set in place by their founders that include experts in aging, genetics, and biometric data from Harvard, Tufts, and MIT. And for a limited time, our audience can get 20% off their ultimate plan, which includes testing that insulin when you sign up at insidetracker.com slash IF podcast. So if you're ready to get a crystal clear picture of what's going on inside your body, along with science-backed recommendations to optimize what's not working, then visit insidetracker.com slash ifpodcast. And one of the things I really love about Inside Tracker is it helps you track all of your results, all of your tests over time, so you can see patterns, see your history. It makes predictions of where you'll be if you continue on your current trajectory. It is a game changer for making sense of your labs. I am obsessed with Inside Tracker. Again, you can get 20% off their ultimate plan, including testing your insulin levels at insidetracker.com slash ifpodcast. And we will put all of this information in the show notes. So after interviewing Harpreet twice, I am completely sold on, because he talks about the difference between it and like Fitbits and Garmin's and the technology and Aura, it, it's the technology that you want. Or sometimes my bed Chad will roll over after I get up in the morning, he'll roll over into my spot. And then it like says I went back to bed. And like, I did not go back to bed. So then everything's all off on my data. But my ring wouldn't do that. Mm -mm. 
see, you're going to make me have to get one. And Sherry, too. I have really, you know, she's my co-host on the Life Lessons podcast. How can I not get one with both of you having one and loving it? It's meant to be. I just reordered. I didn't get the diamond one again, though. That was. <laughs> I actually looked at them the other day. I think I would get the gold. I could have guessed if I had guessed. Well, because I'm wearing gold jewelry right now. I reordered the one that I had the first time around, which was the black heritage one. Everyone can predict about when Jen's going to have her aura ring. (laughs) All right. So I think we can squeeze in one more last fun, quick question. This comes from Deanna and she says, hi there. Can you add fresh mint leaves in your water during the fasting period? Thanks. And the answer is no. Do not add fresh mint leaves to your water during the fasting period. I mean, for one thing, their leaves, I wouldn't even add, you know, mint essential oil to water and drink it during the fast. Remember, we want the fast to be boring. So the yes list includes plain water, nothing added for flavor, plain sparkling water, nothing added for flavor, black coffee, not flavored coffee, plain tea, nothing added. That's it. So save the delicious fresh mint leaves for your eating window. You can have them all the time. You know, there's all these things that you know, people are like, well, I want to have lemon because it's good for your liver. And I want to, ha- I'm like, well, open your window with lemon water. You know, we're not telling you not to have it ever. You just don't want to have it during the fast. Can I be awful and say, I think maybe some people, just for me, I think some people, it might be okay if they're not eating the leaves. Well, I absolutely wouldn't because I just absolutely prize the clean fast to the point that why would I want to risk it? That's the way I look at it. I mean, maybe the mint leaves would be fine, but I guess for me, mint just so doesn't like it bother my fast. If anything, it really helps me. And I could see how maybe some people minty water would not be an issue. Well, it is not gin recommended. Okay. It's a maybe for Melanie. Confuse all the people. Not eating the leaves, to clarify. Well, I don't know how you would not. If you're drinking fresh mint leaves in your water, how do you avoid them? If they're like large leaves, you'd have to consciously eat the leaf, I think. Well, I would not. I would not put it in my water. Just drink the plain water. Embrace the plain. Okay. <laughs> we can do it. We can drink plain water. Plain water is so delicious and refreshing. You know, that's one thing we hear sometimes. Like somebody will say, I can't stand the taste of plain water. I'm like, I don't even understand that. We've trained our palates to need entertainment all the time. And, you know, they they need a break from that. We don't need food signals coming in all the time. I think that leads to a lot of our metabolic dysregulation. Anyway. All right. Well, this has been absolutely wonderful. So a few things for listeners before we go. If you'd like to submit your own questions for the podcast, you can directly email questions at ifpodcast.com or you can go to ifpodcast.com and you can submit questions there. You can follow us on Instagram. I'm Melanie Avalon, Jen Stevens. You can get all of the stuff that we like at ifpodcast.com slash stuff we like. And I think that's everything. Anything from you, Jen, before we go? No, I think that's it. All right. Well, this was absolutely wonderful and I will talk to you next week. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember that everything discussed on the show is not medical advice. We're not doctors. You can also check out our other podcasts, Intermittent Fasting Stories and the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast. Theme music was composed by Leland Cox. See you next week.